hum felt weird. <laughs> I didn't like the way that felt in my throat. How are you doing, Steve? Uh, I'm doing all right, Ryan. And I just want to let the listeners know that they're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar buying, selling, trading, fixing, modding, breaking, reviewing, playing, injecting bleach directly into your veins <sighs> podcast. Look at Steve, the professional over here. I threw you a curveball and you recovered from it and you saved it. I didn't do our normal yeah. start and you still found a way to do it, Steve. Well, I just had this whole plan, you know, with the news and that's going on today. That, and you spun it into a political thing. <laughs> yeah, I made it made it political. We <laughs> I just it cost us 75% of our listeners. <laughs> you think it's that much? Jeez. No. And also, we're not supposed to inject, inject bleach into our veins, Steve. That's moronic. We're supposed to inject it directly into our lungs. Duh. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Haven't you been listening it's to bleach? It's, it's listening to our glorious it's leader. More like, it's probably more like Lysol. It's, he's probably talking yeah. about Lysol, right? Yeah. It's not he's, bleach. Yeah, he's talking about hand sanitizer, <laughs> like Purell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you don't have to inject it. Just, I, just uh, put it in a snorkel and take a take a deep breath. I don't even know why we're still talking about coronavirus. I mean, it's all a hoax. Yeah, it's so. all made. It's, they're just rebooting the birds, right? Put new ba new batteries in the birds. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> this, this, this first, first ad. ad. This, <laughs> this first pair of ads were sent by Kyle Booth and Tyler Estes. This first one is a Randy Rhodes polka dot flying V copy. This is like somebody in the group called it Randy Rhodes meets Buddy Guy. I think it's just Randy Rhodes meets Randy Rhodes because this this is like a visual reproduction of his early guitar and he's yeah, really it's, okay it's got the buddy guy dots on there that i know predate randy Rhodes' guitar and he probably did it as some sort of tribute to buddy guy when he did it but at a certain point it became i think randy Rhodes' look as well <laughs> but okay yeah. i didn't know that because i'm only familiar with like the jackson rr right right no th i think this is based off of his early one uh i don't know if it's his earliest but like I think this is like that. That's what started, you know, like his signature models and stuff like that. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures now, and it's got that like crazy harpoon headstock. Yeah, I have no idea what the story is behind his original one, but I'm I'm sure it was custom built for him by somebody. Yeah, yeah. But the reason it's I even got like the I didn't the, know it's that even got the this, inlays. I, di I didn't know that that this was based on his original one when I first saw it. I had to look it up, and the reason I looked it up is because of the the buck wild placement of that pickup selector switch. Did you see that yet? You'll find it. Um, because I'm because of the way I'm scrolling through this, it's like, oh dang! Yeah, there it is. <laughs> It's up on the is that, upper wing. Is that where he had it? Yeah, that's where he had it. I had to check and see, like, no, what's going on here? And that's apparently where he had it. I watched a few videos to, like, see if I could catch him using it. Because it's, it's got a four-knob, uh, four you know, less Paul cell wiring thing going on, which makes yeah. me think he was using it as a kill switch. And that's just a crazy place for a kill switch. It's a crazy place for any switch. Yeah. Maybe he was, like, switching yeah. with How his elbow you, uh... or something. Well, I, you know, a lot of the pictures I, I've always seen of Randy Rhodes, he's like holds the V like very vertically. So, 
you know, maybe it's just far enough out of the way that he was just like, whatever. Maybe, maybe. Are you, I, I'm assuming you're not a, a Rhodes fan in any way. Like you, you don't care at all about Randy Rhodes. I don't really know much about Randy Rhodes. I know he was uh, in in a black. He was in Black Sabbath at one point, right? I don't think it was Black Sabbath. I think he was. Or just no, with he was Ozzy. just in Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always, whenever I think of of Randy Rhodes, I think of him as being the best part of that era of Ozzy Osbourne, which isn't really hard oh, to yeah. do. <laughs> Maybe there's people who are huge fans of that era, but I'm more of like an early Sabbath guy if I listen to anything Ozzy at all. And so, yeah, <laughs> not a huge fan of, of that era, but his guitar, yeah, listened, his guitar playing was, is listened, amazing. I've listened through like Black Sabbath, I think, was it self-titled was their first album? Oh, I don't know. Um, and otherwise, I, I don't really, I don't know much of their catalog. Yeah, I know, I know the hits, you know, maybe we should yeah. do, maybe we should do Black Sabbath on uh We probably should, I'd be reviews. down for that. Yeah, I'd be down for that too. Um, I, I, you know, at some point, at some point, I think I want you, and maybe you kind of already did that with like MC5 a little, but I yeah, want yeah. you to just pick like something I like a favorite, like a favorite album. Sure. Sure. We can talk about. Yeah. Maybe I should pick that. But that's for later this episode. Yeah. I'll, I'll pick, I'll pick that, uh, before I forget next week, I'll, I'll pick something tonight or tomorrow for you. I've got for a sure. few, I've got a few things in mind that you might find interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I don't need to find them interesting. I just want it to be something that you can <laughs> right. wax poetic about for a while. Oh, sure, sure. Or if I or if I decide to shred it, you can be pissed off about it. <laughs> I'm not going to be pissed off. You know, I'm open to all kinds of opinions. So, anyways, yeah. this got me thinking, and we got uh, another ad at least of like a signature guitar. This is like a I'm assuming like a cheap Chinese kind of knockoff of you know, a tribute because it's only 350 bucks. I mean, if you're going for this look, right. I mean, this is 350 bucks. You've got that look. There's probably no guarantee that this thing's going to play great at all at that price point. It probably did yeah. come off yeah. of, you know, DH gate or, you know, AliExpress or wherever these things come from. Um, but we've got another guitar. Are you, are you saying this? Are you saying this guitar came from China? <laughs> Again, making it political, Steve. What's with you tonight? We're going to lose 75% of our listeners, like you said earlier. <laughs> uh, so that's a signature guitar or like a signature style guitar that I could see people wanting as like, oh, I want to have that look for my tribute band or whatever. Uh, yeah. Next up, we've got this guitar sent in by Tyler Estes. The Nickelback. Yeah, $2,800. Yeah, this one's $2,800 versus $350. This is a Nickelback signature, Les Paul. Yep. This is yep. this is bound to play considerably better than that flying V. But well, so the thing that was, that a bunch of people in the group pointed out right away is on the one hand, this is the Chad Kroger, right? You know, if you want a hero to save you, this is the guitar that you need. Um, <laughs> but the other side of it is on the. I mean, I'm the, just sitting here looking at this photograph and just admiring the look of this guitar. Yeah, yeah. Every time I see this guitar, all I can think about is how it reminds me of Nickelback. <laughs> you know, honestly, I was thinking uh, when I look at this guitar, how it doesn't remind me of Nickelback. Like, I don't think that at all. I just think, oh, there's a guitar. Like, I was thinking, like, if I was shopping for Les Pauls and if I was in a shop and this one spoke to me and I played it and it just resonated with me and I ended up buying it. 
I wouldn't have any idea that it was a, uh, a Nickelback signature Les Paul until afterwards. And then I'd be like, oh, well, oh, well, I just like this guitar. Like it doesn't, it's so, it's almost like a review of Nickelback itself in that it's so kind of like nondescript in its appearance. And like, yeah. it doesn't speak, well, it doesn't speak like, oh, here's, here's an eccentric out there, you know, like ego filled signature guitar. Like, oh, it's just a guitar with a finish. Oh, it happens to have like a really cool wiring, wiring schematic and, and hardware and stuff. But you wouldn't know that just by looking at right. it. Oh, does it have like a does it have like a different wiring thing going on? Yeah, it's got a piezo. Oh, it, ha it has a GraphTech bridge and a and a TRS jack to split that out. You know, Ryan, all I can think about with this with this guitar is um, if I was in the market for a really good looking Les Paul, then someday somehow I might buy this guitar, especially if I wanted to become a rock star. Oh my goodness. Um, He's going but you know it. the fact that I, the fact that I'm not really you know that I've already got a Les Paul is really somehow saving me from uh, spending a lot of money. That's all the Nickelback references I think I can make. You did it, Steve. You did I don't it. Know, I don't know anymore. I don't know anymore. <laughs> I don't know no, if you can I, hear hear the soundboard when I do things. I can't. I actually, every time you do the opening song, I just wait for you to do hum. <laughs> so I, I can't hear anything else. I just gave you a little I, bit of applause there. I feel like there. there's got to be, I feel like there's got to be some kind of setting in the roadcaster that's going to, probably that is, will send those. Yeah, through, probably. It's fine. It's whatever. Yeah, I'll try to figure um, that out. This is a really good looking guitar. It is. It's a great looking Les Paul. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the appearance of it. Uh, it's a little bit more subdued for my taste, but it definitely, like, it kind of looks the way Nickelback sounds, just kind of gray and desaturated. <laughs> right. Uh, kind of gloomy, you know? Um, but yeah, like I said, like, I mean, if it played well and it resonated with me, I would, even if I knew that this was a Nickelback guitar, I'd still buy it. I'd be like, yeah, okay. And it kind of got me thinking, yeah. like, that Randy Rhodes guitar, if you get that, it's always going to be a Randy Rhodes guitar, no matter how famous you get playing it. Yeah. If you bought this and played it and became famous, it could become like, you, you it could be that you're, you're known for the guitar versus Chad Kroger. Just because people right. don't, people don't look at it and think Chad Kroger, they if you became a big flamboyant famous rock star, and this was the guitar you played all the time, people would be like, "Oh, that's that's the Steve Rao." I'm just you know I don't know I just can't get off the politics this episode. Oh my gosh! Um, and we'll dive into this more like actually in a few minutes maybe. But uh, well, so on the one hand, the thing that's weird about this is I've always Nickelback, especially like Chad Kroger, has always been like a PRS boy as far as. I knew, and I guess he's. I'm finding some pictures of him playing Explorers. I just remember early on them being PRS guys. I think that was um, just the early 2000s. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Everyone. Yeah. Um, but then the other the other side of that is, um, you know, this is this is one of these things where when Fender announced, and I don't know if we've really seen it. 
But Fender announced that they were going to put out a bunch of like they were going to diversify their artist lineup, and they that some magazine generated a list of potential candidates for like women in rock music uh-huh. who could become who could be signature guitarists. You know, Julian Baker and Phoebe Bridgers, and and uh, I forget who else. There's like I remember there somebody. Uh, there was a woman who's like really well known for like playing a, a Jaguar, or Jagmaster, or something. And I think yeah, yeah. Courtney Barnett, who we, who we talked about a few weeks ago, oh, yeah, was yeah. on that list, right? Yeah, all, she was great. All these different women. And I remember reading this thread, and there's all these people who are like, oh, freaking Fender, and like making these gu- signature guitars for these women who aren't even really that good at guitar. This is just a political move. And they're just trying to like make money and whatever. Dude, freaking Nickelback. What's what's the point you're trying to make? Is that they got one like, and these these like this oh, because, is like, like textbook it, yeah. like yeah he has like a signature because he's famous, which is the way I don't signatures even... work. Like it's not they're not you know these 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 companies aren't waiting for you know the secret best player in in the world to show up and be like I can play so good and they're like well then you get a signature. They're waiting for like famous people to want guitars and it's like oh here's your signature because you know fame right. gets an audience and audience is marketing like the and like it or not nickelback has a humongous audience like it's a no-brainer just yeah is. Like, if anyone wants to com- if anyone wants to complain about any like woman being selected for you know a signature model they should say well she's not really famous and then it's like, well, who, right. do you really care that much? And like, what kind of dick are you for making that argument? <laughs> and then like, I just, what, like, and I then what's like it. your yardstick for figuring out fame? Because we know how the boomers are. The boomers are like, oh, I've never heard of her. Uh, the, I've only heard of, you know, the members of who and Jimi Hendrix, you know, and it's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, they also don't think of freaking Chad Kroger either. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, they probably also don't think of Jack White or, you know. John, you know John Mayer or whatever. John what Mayer? That's women's music. <laughs> we, we have another uh, signature guitar in the Google Drive folder that we could talk about too. Make this a triple right out the intro. Uh, there's a rare collector's Ibanez Jim 20th anniversary. Oh yeah, made out of acrylic yeah. uh, for seventy five hundred dollars. Um, and that's another one where it's like you play that and. It, people are always going to think of Steve Vai while you're playing. It's never going to be your signature guitar, which is really like the point I was trying to make with the Nickelback one. Like it could be anyone's. Like it just, it just happens yeah. to be the guitar that he commissioned to his specs, and anyone could grab that guitar. And it, I don't think anyone yeah, would notice. This, but you play this, and people one, are like, "Oh, you're a Vai fan." Yeah, this one was sent by Jacob Chapman. Mm-hmm. At least that's what you wrote. But maybe it's Jacob, and you can't spell i don't know it might be i um, might have been holding my one-year-old on my lap when i was typing this stuff out today uh-huh okay sure <laughs> it's a true um, story i remember when these came out because i remember them being glow in the dark and i always thought that was super cool they're not glow in the dark or, or they, they have an are led they, not glow in the dark? they just have a lot they have an led that's right but it's like i always remember that being like a really cool idea yeah. Oh, well, like just we're going to put an LED inside of here. I've always wanted an acrylic guitar just to load it up with a light show. You can see the LED yeah. if you find the picture of the of the spring cavity. There's like this round LED right behind the springs with like Oh yeah, there it is. Eight eight LEDs mounted to it. Yeah. Yeah, I could put that in my uh one of my uh outlets here at home and light my living room. Yeah, yeah. 
So here's my question, Steve, with all, all three of okay. these. Uh, would you rather have a signature guitar that looks to be the part of like one of your heroes, no matter the cost, like if it's the $350, you know, import knockoff or a $7,500 Ibanez gem, or would you rather have a guitar of a well-known musician that you're not a fan of, like you're, you're totally not a fan, like you're anti-fan of them, you hate them, but you really like the instrument? Um, man, that's a tough one. I think it the with the Nickelback guitar, it's so generic that if I picked it up and I played it, I might be able to get over it. Um, and I kind of feel that way, like, though the cost, like, I always wonder if the cost is really justified. The Billy Joe Armstrong, Les Paul Jr.'s, like, mm. I don't I don't have anything against Billy Joe Armstrong, except, you know, I thought it was hilarious that American Idiot was to kind of, like, about how much, like... Consumerism sucks. White collar... Yeah, how much consumerism sucks on an album that was bought primarily by, like, the adolescent offspring of white-collar class Americans, but, you know, whatever. Steve um, is all charged up this episode. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on. But, yeah, like, that was another one where I was like, man, that's a really good-looking guitar. But anyone who recognizes it and goes, like, oh, yeah, you're a Green Day fan, I'm just going to be like, no, man, right. I just think this is a sick guitar. Yeah. And like, the I flip could... side of that is, like, I have, I got a Jag Stang because it was cheap. <laughs> yeah, if, if any one of us should have the Jag Stang, it probably should be me. Yeah. But then, like, I, I, I've thought about getting a Jag Stang, but then, like, the thought of people being, like, oh, big Nirvana fan, like, feels kind of icky to me. Like, right. I don't, I don't really want to have signature gear of like my favorite right guitars like like when i was at toman and i played the dick dale strat like that was cool but it's like i don't actually like i i want it but i don't actually want it for me you know i want it so i can hang it on the wall and be like there it is i don't want to like play out with it and have people make that comparison that would be yeah. that would be weird to me like it feels icky to me for some reason but some people love that they they want to own the guitar of their heroes, you know, and I've got that, I've got that Harley right. Benton, Brian May thing. And I'm not even like a big queen fan. I I can't play or haven't even tried to play any Brian May stuff, but I like that How guitar. <laughs> I like that guitar a lot. Yeah. So anyway, Steve, we killed this. Any likes, I don't know if there's any signature instruments that like, I'm really like, I want that because of the player, you know? Yeah, right. You want one of those flea bases, one of those like oh my god, neon pink ones. You just love that flea stuff. That I don't even know how to slap. You love that slap it to slap it a Bamba bomb, Bamba California. That's how you live your life. (laughs) Alabama, California. (laughs) What's new, Steve? Um, I am using, so hopefully the audio quality is a little better tonight, but probably not because I'm probably, uh, smacking my gums too much. Um, just don't slurp and uh, burp this time, Steve. Last time I had to do a lot of editing to get all your mouth noises out. My mouth noises too, to be fair, um, but our mouth noises, we were too close to our mics or too far. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how mics work. We've been doing this for six years. I don't know. It's all a mystery to me. (laughs) I've got the Rode PSA-1 mic stand. It's connected to my desk. It's really 
cool and really clean, and now I feel like a real podcaster, a real remote po- from home podcaster. Yeah. Did you end uh, up but, getting that other one? I have them both. I have two. <laughs> I opened the one from Sweetwater. Uh, so what happened is, um, I think the night that I was charged with the Sweetwater order, I also was like a few beers deep when that charge came through, and oh so gosh. it said just said pay, it said like PayPal minus whatever, whatever. And I read that minus as a refund. So I was like, oh man, Sweetwater's not going to ship. What a bummer. They just refunded me. So I immediately went and purchased it on Amazon, but the seller I purchased it from on Amazon wasn't prime. The next day, like during the date, daytime hours, my Sweetwater rep emails me and was like, congratulations on, we shipped you, we finally shipped your order. You, your order survived coronavirus and we're going to finally get this to you. Uh, so the Amazon one came in. I was like, well, I'll just return it because it's Amazon and that's easy. But the Amazon seller, because it wasn't prime, was like, yeah, I'm going to charge you a 20% restocking fee and you're going to have to pay for shipping. So it's going to be like $35 to send this thing back like all when everything's said and done. So I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. Um, so now I have two of these stands. And one of them, again, it's connected to my desk. And the other one, RJ from uh, Teletalks, keeps telling me that I should just rig it up on my desk and you and put like uh figure out a way to connect a uh an iPhone holder to ah, it or maybe. just I don't know take my use it as like a camera stand but the problem is is I'm in my bedroom yeah um so that's kind of like I don't really want a background that's freaking my bed where I do my business if you know what I mean yeah that's where you pay your bills and taxes and stuff like that and you do paperwork. exactly yeah, exactly yeah. Most of the time it's covered with, most of the time it's covered with, uh, with bills and, and stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. To see that. Yeah. That your business. Yeah. Uh, well I was thinking if we ever get to, you know, something resembling the before times, uh, when you're back over here, we should see if they work for, you know, regular mic stands and, uh, maybe, I'm sure they do. Maybe I'm they'll sure work they out do. for us better than, you know, these super long boom arms that we always have to adjust over here. Yeah. Uh, these ones, these both came with, um, five eighth inch adapters. So they're usable for like my mic, which is as a three eighth inch uh-huh. screw. Um, but it also, the five eighths allows it to work with like standard microphones, yeah, yeah, it should like work standard then. clips. So it should not be a problem. Uh, the other thing I have that's new is I'm trying to buy a bass. What? Um, and, uh, uh, it's a Gibson EB bass, uh, the early 2010s version. You're st- you're really gonna buy thing. that thing? Well, I so I sent a message to the dude because I sat on this for like the guy listed it like a while ago, uh-huh. like a couple weeks ago, and then I saw it, um, and then I like sat on it. I was like, uh, oh, well, maybe if I wait longer, the price will come down, even though the price is already killer. And uh, I just was like waiting and waiting, and then finally, like I think it was yesterday. I was like, oh, I should just message him. Be like, hey, I really like it. Uh, what's your availability? Da, 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 da. And he's like, all right, cool. Um, I got somebody coming on Friday. I was like, dang it. Uh-huh. He's like, I'll let you know if they flake. And I messaged him. I was like, hey, um, I don't mind waiting. Like, that's super respectable. But, like, if you're in a crunch for money, I can come sooner. There you go. And uh, he was like, yeah, he was just like, no, like, I'll do, I'm going to do, like, first in, first out. And, and that's fine. Like, that's that's perfectly acceptable, yeah. and that's why, like, I, I told him, I was like, you know what, like, if you need the cash now, I can come now. If you don't, like, yeah, sell it to the first guy. Like, that's that's your prerogative. Just, you know, if, if you want to do it today, 
I think it's funny that that you want that bass because that is like the most Fenderish Gibson bass I think I've ever seen in my life. It's probably <laughs> is, why I want it. It's probably why you want it. Uh, I'll I'll try to find a picture to pop up here so people can see what kind of bass we're talking about. But I looked at it and like, man, that is Gibson trying to be Fender so hard. Yeah, which I guess makes well, sense. Well, it does for you. have like, it does have like the double humbucker thing. And I sat on it. I sent it to you. I sent it to RJ and I sent it to Patrick Hunter uh-huh. because I figured like if anybody's going to know if these are good, he oh, would yeah. know. Oh yeah. Uh, because like I figured he would have played one. I've actually never played one. I just like, and I remember when they first came out being like, uh, this is just kind of f- weird looking, but, yeah. um, but like, I just, I don't know. Like I was just on Facebook marketplace looking at bases and it came up and I was like, Maybe it's because it's sunburst, but I just felt like it was calling me. Yeah. I mean, when I think of you holding a bass, I think of that. I think of you holding that five string jazz bass you used to have. I don't think you need a five string anymore, but that was totally your look. Like a great big sunburst bass is your look. Well, the thing that I like, the thing that I like about that Gibson, like now, is it's got kind of, it's got kind of like a funky reverse offset thing yeah, going on. it does. It's kind of Jazz Master-ish. It's wild. It's a wild bass. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what's new with you, man? Uh, I got a haircut, and everyone is pissed off about it. <laughs> so I hadn't had a haircut since, like, uh, before Winter Nam. My hair grows kind of slow these days. Uh, I would, and, how have you gone without a haircut since before... I because, got a haircut at like the beginning of March, and I'm like feel like I'm gonna freaking yeah, Pedro myself any minute. Whenever I get a haircut, I get it taken down really freaking short, and then it grows out like a couple inches, and then I'm ready. Like it, it takes. It, I guess I get like like four haircuts a year, basically. Uh, so, anyways, I get this haircut, and then I publish a video with my new haircut, and like tons of people in the premiere chat and in the comments are like. Oh, oh, you got a haircut? Oh, where'd you get a haircut? Oh, you went out and got a haircut? How dare you? None of us can get haircuts. Where'd you get a haircut? Everyone's super pissed. I'm like, relax. Relax, everyone. My wife cuts my hair in the backyard, and the hair, like, floats off with the breeze. Like, I'm not going anywhere. Don't worry. I'm not breaking quarantine to get a haircut. I swear everything's going to be okay. I'm about 10 days away from texting Christina and be like, I will bring you beer (laughs) <laughs> I will bring beer to Orange County if you cut my hair. Now, if you show up on a video with a haircut, people know because you just confessed that you broke the rules and you went and got a haircut. Just have, no, just have your wife cut your hair, dude. Dude, that <laughs> she's just afraid. Bust out, just her, bust out those kitchen scissors. Give it a shot. It took it took my wife a couple tries to get it right. <laughs> 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 just Man, go back I to high some, school. I got some. Go back to high school, Steve, and do the buzz cut. I know the right. Like I got some. I got a beard clipper in there, and I'm sitting there like I could just go vertical on the sides, like like uh, just straight up vertical on the. I like honestly, like I could just go straight up vertical on the sides, and let's see what that looks like, and then just leave it alone. Just like you, you know, yeah, what? I took the sides down, took the sides down to a three, and left everything else alone. We're a few weeks. 
at most away from the Mad Max future that I've been teasing. This entire podcast, six years of podcasting, oh I keep gosh. bringing up the Mad Max future. It's almost here. Just go full Mohawk, Steve. You're going to be wearing leather fetish gear in a couple weeks and riding on the back of a motorcycle with a spiked club in your teeth. Like, just lean into it. It's well, mo- I mean, I'm, all, it's Mohawk I'm time, already Steve. doing that. That's my, uh, that's <laughs> that's my just, to and fro. That's your, that's your carpool to work. Yeah, that's my daily driver. <laughs> uh, let's figure out how to uh, you know divide up the cut of the door, Steve. Who's sponsoring this episode? Uh, this week's episode, uh, first sponsor is D'Addario, Boom. makers of the XT String. I am holding your bass strings right here that might be going on your brand nice. new bass if you I can need get those. To, I need to get those. You're getting that freaking coronavirus all over my uh strings huh oh yeah i've just been like coughing and spitting on it it's awesome and i've also got a bunch of packs of my favorite strings the xt's uh, 11s and 10s we've got two 11s left and five 10s left i've been putting 11s on all my surfy like heavy uh strong guitars so i needed to start putting those 10s on some things i was thinking about restringing my sg soon but anyways if you're nice. looking for strings I recommend the crap out of these things. I really do love them. These uh, these XT strings. And they're a little bit pricier than your just run-of-the-mill string. They're not five or six bucks or whatever. They're like 12 or 13, I think. But my experience with them is that they last like yeah. multiple times longer than any other string. I had to cut them off of my Strat when I took my Strat apart and it bummed me out because I had them on that strat for like three months. And I'd been using that strat quite a bit. And there was no corrosion on the strat. The strings were still that slick. That still blows my mind. And, ca- and the strings still felt kind of like had that like slight oil slick to them. Like they were brand new. Yeah. They still were like as twangy as the day I put them on there. I, I feel bad that I wasted a set of those strings by taking that guitar apart. So like if you think about <laughs> if, you, if you go through strings quick. And you have a bunch of guitars sitting out on stands like I do. I think it's a, I think it's a solid investment. You're investing in time. You're investing yeah. in string futures. You know. <laughs> yeah, I really need to get a pair of of uh, XTs and probably I'm thinking maybe definitely at least 11s, maybe 12s to put on my Damn. bullet because that sits out all the time. And uh, it's it's a you know it's a super short scale. Yeah, yeah. Um, I for, I'm not sure what the scale on it is, but I, I think it might be like. 22 and a half or something that is short um someone locally had a bullet what's that someone had a bullet up locally on craigslist or something i was giving it the side eye we're talking about the 20 we're talking about the legit old bullets like the crazy cool ones yeah this is saying it's a 25 inch scale but it feels know, short man. to it you, huh? Feels, it feels short. Maybe it's just that the neck is so tiny. Yeah, maybe. But it, I just feel like that guitar is like, maybe I have nines on it right now and I just don't realize it, but I feel like that guitar is just begging for a bigger string. Sure, sure. Well, anyways, thanks to Dario for sponsoring us yet again. Uh, when we get back into the normal times or the normaler times, uh, Steve will get his hands on these bass strings and try them on a bass, maybe his new bass. Or maybe an old base. Yeah. We'll, fi- we'll find out. And, uh, you know, check out the links down below and su- support our sponsors and uh, tell them that you're thankful for sponsoring this content that you love by doing all sorts of stuff. Buy stuff. Or go 
say thank you to them on social media. I don't know. Do stuff like that. Uh, you want to talk about the next topic, Steve? Yeah, this topic was sent by Chris Pop Beer Man. I, I, I want to know which part of that name is his real name. Maybe that's all his real name. That's very insensitive, Steve. That is his real Christian name. All right. Well, I mean, his name is Chris Pop Christian Beer Man. So, yeah, uh, he says Daisy Rock Guitars turned 20 this year. Was it a good idea to make guitars for girls? And why is gender specific gear bullshit? I'm trying to think, is, are there any like man specific guitars or are all other guitars just kind of gender gender neutral? Like I've never played a guitar that required me to interface my genitals with it. Right. So I think, you know, your general, uh, your, your general um, electric guitar. It's like a lot of things, right? Like the argument, I guess, is that because if we, if you accept the premise that uh, we live in a, patriarchal or at least a masculine leaning society then everything revolves around men so therefore anything that's technically gender neutral is actually created with with primarily with interest in selling to men you know Um, i think you could definitely make that case for the guitar industry is that for the vast majority of it like it is aimed at men marketing wise Right. But I think any guitar could be played by any gendered person. Like, I wanted some of those Daisy Rock guitars. Like, I kind of wanted one of the flower ones when they came out. Just to be kind of, like, silly and ironic. And you know the kind of music I listen to. It would have fit with what I like to do. (laughs) Like, get one of those flower ones. Like, paint it it a funky color or something like that. You know I would have rocked that thing. I would have Daisy Rocked it. I don't know. I oh, have no boy. problem with it. I have no problem with there being uh, guitars that are themed for a very young female market like that. Because that's what they were going for. Yeah. They were going for like this tween thing in like the late 90s, early 2000s. I say, why right. not? And, you know, origi- why not? Originally, originally, these guitars were like developed and designed um, by... Um, by like Schecter people. So yeah. like the original like series of Daisy Rock guitars were like decently built. My sister has my sister has a ovation style Daisy Rock acoustic that I'm pretty mm. sure she pulls out still every once in a while. She's had that thing for like over 10 years. That's the that's the guitar she used to freaking blow up my crate amp. <laughs> I had a little crate GFX 15. She took it to church, took that guitar, plugged into that, turned the amp all the way up to 10s, and yes. freaking melted the preamp. You have to admire that, though. Like, yeah, um, that's good stuff. I didn't, but hey, hey man, a, I didn't know your sister was cool. <laughs> <laughs> they've had like a few models. Like, you talk about the heart guitars. Yeah. Um, I always thought they're like the rock candy uh, models, which was like their like soft Les Paul style. Uh-huh. I always thought those looked really cool. Yeah, with the, the heavy uh, metal got, flake on them. Um, there is like a heavy metal flake version of it. There was also one that was like I always thought would have been really cool. It was like the matte black, but then it had a nautical star on it. Oh, and yeah, I was yeah. Just like, oh, I'm, I'm not down with the nautical star, but they've got one like their uh, Elite Venus series. Yeah, that nautical star well. for that's sailors. Kind of, I'm not a sailor. Yeah, 
they had that like they have like the elite the elite uh model that's kind of like a hammer uh yeah yeah uh double cut style like they had some good some good looking guitars they do and the, the whole thing is like the necks were like really slim um everything was like designed to be really small but the you know they were like kind of thick slim necks and I think uh, the some fact of them are goofy, like yeah. But I th- I think the fact that this company's been around and persists for twenty years, I mean, means that there's a market for this. There's enough of a niche to keep it going. Like there's yeah. other other guitar companies that are trying to hit a much wider market and aren't making it. So what does well, that and I say? I think the bigger thing. I think the bigger thing here too is like beyond. Yeah, okay, it's a guitar, it's a guitar. But the thing is, it's not even, like, that this is... I mean, you can say this is gender-driven, whatever. But, like, this is, like... I'd say it's more personality-driven. And there's a certain personality that likes that aesthetic that tends to be female. But I I think that look isn't necessarily female. Like, there's a lot of, of women guitarists that look at that look and like, I don't want like a Lisa Frank guitar. I want right. like, a regular guitar, but there's a personality well, person who sees a Daisy rock guitar and is like, hell yeah, I'm all in. I Apparently say I'm that, that personality. Guitar is this guitar. It's not even that Daisy rock. They're not Daisy rock women's guitars. Right. Right. They're Daisy rock girl, girl guitars, you know, right. Right. This, their market segment was, you know, they, they were guitars that could be played by adults. Sure. But like, Man, I don't know. I think my sister was like 10 or something or like 10 or 11 when she got hers. Yeah. You know, this was this was very much like a brand that was like targeting like young, like, you know, tweeny. Right. What do they call them like tweeners. Yeah. You know, er, early um, now, teens, now that, late tweens. It's a, such a specific market. Is that good or market. bad? You know, like it, it is a really specific market, but it was a market that like, you know, from Fender, your only option was the mini strat. Right and uh, the the Daisy Rocks I played played you know better than anything that Squire was offering in the same price range. Well, they you know those Some early these... those early ones were built by Schecter and they they felt yeah. like it. They felt like Schecters. Uh, if you've ever played a Schecter, you know what that feels like. I mean, it's a it's a decent like seven hundred to nine hundred dollar guitar sort of experience with Schecter. Yeah, and they were they came loaded with real like good hardware on them with Duncan design pickups yeah. in them like. They were legit. They had real tuners on them. These weren't joke novelty guitars. They just had like a novelty look to them. But man, they were players. Right. They still are players. They have. They're under different ownership now. They're not uh, made by by Schecter. But last time I picked one up, I was like, no, they're still good. Still a great guitar. Yeah, I think they, for the most part, they've you know pre- waned pretty hard over the last I don't know five or ten years, like five years probably. But I feel like they're kind of like sunk back in, but I, there are like moments where I, I do like, if you, if I think really hard about it, I'm like, do we have the Ernie ball St. Vincent without Daisy rock? Yeah, maybe, maybe not. Maybe not. But like, I think, I think, you know, that somebody had to be sitting around there going like, Hey, we're, we were, this company was selling like all of these guitars to like 12 year old girls 10 years ago. So they're all in their mid twenties now. How do we get them to buy like the adult version of their twelve-year-old yeah. guitar? And you know what? You know? They had they had like a heart-shaped guitar, which seems like 
so girly and novelty and whatever. You know who else had yeah. a heart shaped guitar? Steve Vai no. had a heart shaped guitar. Oh, really? He had this. He had this triple necked heart shaped guitar with one of the necks sticking off the back end of it, and he'd play it two handed. Like <laughs> his like. But fame. I mean, he kind of he he had he has really long hair, right? Yeah, oh yeah. So he must be uh, must be a lady. That's why. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's it. Like, you have you to know, have long st- hair. Then you can play a heart guitar. That's what uh that's who he's the one that uh that Steve Steven Tyler was singing about, right? Yeah. Steven Tyler was singing about Steve Vai. Yeah, he saw if the Steve long Vi- hair, he saw the heart guitar, he's like, That dude appears to me to resemble a lady. And then he wrote a yeah. song. He shortened it down a little bit, but that was his first thought. Not everyone knows that. Yeah. That gentleman over yonder yes. resembles. Yes. <laughs> you know, as as far as, as again, as far as whether or not it's good or bad, you know, it's definitely a gimmick. And there are moments where I'm like, gimmicks are dumb. I feel like when I was when I was the age that I was when these came out, like I was a teenager. I feel like I probably thought they were dumb but again like i i also remember like playing these guitars in stores and being like oh man like and like you said like the features were good like they weren't yeah. just selling like oh we're gonna slap a couple of humbuckers on here like they were duncan design humbuckers with coil t- with coil splitting like they were very well bi- built guitars and you think about the the demographic they're they're trying to hit like we keep saying young Girls, like young ladies, tween, yeah. tweens to early teens with, you know, like a novelty bent with, you know, like a certain personality. Um, it would be very easy to pitch stuff to that demographic that's just cheap crap, just novelty crap. But rather than doing that, this brand is putting stuff in their hands that isn't going to be a detriment to them as early guitarists. Like this stuff isn't going in the hands of people who have been playing guitar for 20 years. It's going to pe- in the hands of people who are just now, you know, getting interested in playing guitar. Sure, I'm gonna, uh, they're going right. to have a random sale to some weirdo like me who's doing something ironically. But <laughs> most of these guitars are going to go in the hands of someone who's probably buying their first guitar. And it's such a service to them that they're getting a guitar that is actually playable. And is so the, that the they can other, actually grow the into, thing, you know? The other thing I would say with all that too, with all of this is um, it's it's both, I know we've mentioned like the connection to Schecter, but I kind of feel like it's both more and less of a gimmick when you are hanging your entire, the success of your entire brand on it. Uh, yeah. I guess. You know, it's like either this is a market that is right. going to It's not a gimmick, it's their it's brand. Not. Right. Versus like, you know, if Fender or Gibson or whatever rolled out a, a whole line of, and you know, you could argue that they did this with the Squire Venus series to right, right. somewhat of an extent. But, you know, if that, if that was all of a sudden they had this thing and it was like super bubble gum and whatever, you'd be like, well, this seems like a really odd marketing move. Yeah, if but if, when you, but <laughs> if Fender put out a guitar with like a Lisa Frank glittery pickguard and like a unicorn airbrushed on it and said, "This is for girls," 
first of all, the girls would be like, how dare you? That's insulting. Second of all, a bunch of dudes like me, a bunch of weird dudes would probably buy it, <laughs> but it would, it would feel yeah. weird. But because this is the core of the whole brand, it's not a gimmick. It is their entire brand strategy. So it's like, exactly. it's not, it's not a cheap try at something. It's they're all in, they're all in. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm totally fine with it. I've never, I've never felt like I, I've never felt more secure in my support for Daisy rock than I am right now in this conversation. Like I, when we <laughs> when you read the, read the topic prompt, I was like, mm, yeah, maybe, maybe there's an angle here that this is bad. And the more I think about it, the more I talk about it, I'm like, no, this is good. This is right. Leave it alone. <laughs> it's not for you. Don't complain about it. There's other guitars for you. Yeah. If there's, you don't like it, go buy, go buy something else. Go buy that Nickelback guitar. It's doomy yeah, and for, gloomy. Maybe that's for you. Yeah. It's for you. You know? Uh, let's let's get onto this next ad here, so we don't go all night. Yeah, this long. Ne- this next ad was sent by um, Ryan Bales. He says, "Thanks, I hate it." <laughs> this is a uh, Fender American Stratocaster with Gibson Fifty Seven Classic pickup, which you know the standard configuration for a humbucker equipped Stratocaster is what's known as the. HSS. Right. This is an um, this is this an is SSH. SSH. Yes. And, yes. And I don't I don't even hate the idea of an SSH. It's a little unusual. What I hate and I maybe this is what Ryan hates as well, I don't know, is the freaking um the pickup ring. Like did you did you need that? I don't know, man. I'm kind of like if you're going to go all in, go all in and I think they did it. <laughs> I kind of like the look. <laughs> I like that the pickup ring matches the uh, you know the parchment of the single coils and of the uh, the zebra I mean, yeah, bucker. Like this person is yeah, not trying Ray, to hide what they did. Colors. I mean, you could have easily hidden this if you like. Like it's easy to be like, oh, this is dumb because in a, a humbucker in the neck versus the output of a single in the bridge is going to be way off balance. But hey, if if like the person who made this, they know their own set. They know like. Well, I've got all these songs that are strat centric, but I have this one song where I need, uh, you know, a neck humbucker tone. Fine, like you did it. You you built this thing. They could have easily concealed it by flipping that uh, that zebra around so the cream would have been closer to the neck, and doing a cutout of the black pickguard so that you wouldn't need the ring at all, and it would have looked from a distance like a normal strat. But they didn't. They leaned into it. They flew their freak flag, and I'm proud of them. Uh, It's just going to be a really weird sale (laughs) for someone to be like, yeah, I want to buy this. You there? I I am here. (laughs) Uh, I'm just still trying to process this stupid guitar, man. I don't I know, nine fifty for a it USA like strat. It comes with the. It looks like it. What's that? Yeah, nine fifty for an American strat. It comes with the original pickup. It comes with all, all the original parts and whatever. Like, it's not. You can It's not the, hard to reverse that. It's just a pickguard swap, you know, and a and you have to yeah, rewire it, I guess. And that pickup by itself is probably worth like sure a decent chunk. 
Sure. It looks like a very handsome guitar. It's not abused or molested in any sort of way. It's just, I, I'm sure they had to route out some wood for that knock, neck humbucker, but it's, it's a Strat. It's supposed to sound kind of hollow, you know? Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm all I'm for it. Think if I've ever, I'm trying to think if I've ever played um, a um, neck humbucker Strat. I mean, I guess it's probably not... It can't be that much different than like a neck humbucker or anything else, right? No, no. It's just it's going to feel imbalanced when you go from a bridge to the neck and the and the output's way different. Um, but, I mean, if like, – like say this person's like in a classic rock cover band. This, you know, this song – this, this, this guitar does uh, Clapton most of the time. Well, then it also does Slash when you're playing some Guns N' Roses and you need to do, you know – uh, Paradise City on the on the neck humbucker. Like I get it. Like I get it. What this is yeah. for. Uh, they could have done the same thing by throwing a, a hot rail in the neck. But I I kind of like. Right. I right. like the boldness of this. I like the execution of it. I I admire this. I don't know. I'm for it. You've made your yeah. case that All you're right. not, but right. I, I am. I don't like the. I don't like. To, I just don't like the look. You know. Otherwise, um, you know what? Someone could get know, this. Take it or leave it. You know, it would be kind of fun. Get this. Take advantage of that extra routing and throw like a really cool like P90 in the neck. Do because then you're still doing a single coil, but you're getting a totally different flavor of single coil in the neck. Yeah. Like a, a, a humbucker size P90. That could be cool. I got no, I got nothing else on this. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about our next sponsor. Let's figure out some more of our, our, the cut of the door. Well, before we get to our next sponsor, we got another topic, dude. Do we? I thought we were going to do... I thought we were going to do the sponsor oh, you know what? before I num- that. I numbered it wrong. My bad. Oh, shoot. Yeah, Steve. our next sponsor. You got me. <laughs> you got me, dude. Uh, our next sponsor is Chase Bliss Audio. Uh, when do you Did you publish the freaking blooper yet, man? Uh, by the time this episode airs, it will have been up since Friday. Um, I, right. I finished filming it today. I'm holding it right here. And I still got all the pedals in front of me that I used in the video. I used all Chase Bliss pedals. I used the blooper, the Dark World, the Gravitas, the Warped Vinyl, and I even used the Brothers, which is kind of new to me. Um, and I made some beautiful, beautiful sounds, some funky, weird sounds. That blooper is just a freaking trip, man. Uh, every time I do a Chase Bliss demo, I got to say, I work hard for that money. It is, it, they are always tricky, but the blooper is extra special because there's so much ground to cover. I easily spent two and a half to three days working on this demo. Um, right. Just because it deserves it, you know. Um, I'm in to pull back the, the curtain a little bit. I, you know, I do charge for my demos and uh, it is worth it for me to do this stuff. But man, I do work extra hard <laughs> for these Chase Plus demos. Uh, I I think I edited through a good like two and a half hours of footage to get my um my forty minutes of footage for this demo because there's a lot That's to go crazy. through. That's crazy. Yeah, there's a lot. Um, but man, I learned stuff on the way. 
I had a great time with this thing. I want to play with it more. It's like, you know how all Chase Plus pedals kind of, they, they do their one core thing and they're like, oh, they're all kind of a chorus too. Like this one's yeah. also yeah. like a freaky, freaked out, like granular, pitchy, like just delay pedal. It can be a delay pedal, which is bonkers. It's too much fun. The blooper is too much fun, and I can't wait until we get to the after times and I can play live again, even if it's in the uh, post-apocalypse. I can't wait for that Mad Max band where I'm strapped to the front of a gigantic vehicle, and I'm going to be using this looper. Um, but, man, I had a great time. I had a great time using all these Chase Plus pedals together, too. It's just just a bunch of fun, especially the brothers. I love how you call it, I love how you call it the after times. <laughs> That's what we're all going to be calling Ridiculous. it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I need to do a dedicated video for the brothers cuz it is pretty cool. I've been having a great time with that. So anyways, for pedals that are more creative than you are, uh from a company that's been supporting the content that you love. I mean, there's my PBS pitch right there. Go check out Chase Bliss yeah. Audio. Man, they make some cool stuff. They really do. There was a moment yep. in the demo where I stopped and I looked at the camera and like that's the moment where like everyone who thinks that they're a Chase Bliss hater and they're, you know, watching this for like, just to like hate watch it is second guessing themselves and thinking, man, that actually does sound pretty cool. And, oh man, what yeah. they're going to check out the price of it. Cause like, oh dang, that's, that's kind of, kind of wild. <laughs> All right. Hold on a second. Um, just, you can keep it rolling, but before we move on to the next topic, I need to do something. Okay. Do it, Steve. Steve is gone. Apparently. Maybe having a bowel movement of some sort. Oh, that's much better. <laughs> I don't want to know. All right, I'm back. Whatever it was, it I was hopefully... too quick for you to feel better now. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if that came across. I just took my pants off. Oh, that's great. It's a little. It's a little warm in here. I tried to do it as close to the microphone as possible. It's it's steamy today, man. And it's it's got hot, and yeah. because the ground's still wet because it's spring, it just got humid and steamy. Oh, dude! So, so we're still in the trailers at work, and uh, we got the air conditioning is in my office. It's actually uh, I hung a um, is the word lithograph when you buy like a painting at a store, but it's not really a painting; it's just a print on canvas. Uh, sometimes, sometimes or... that is a lithograph. So maybe it's not, but it's some kind of like. It's a print on canvas, okay. whatever you call that. Sure. Um, and I, I, when I moved from my office to this trailer, I didn't have anywhere to, I wasn't sure where I was going to put it. And then my, I realized my desk is right at the, uh, where the thermostat is. So I just hang it off the thermostat, um, the thermostat controller. Uh, and so I have, I'm basically the master of the heater and AC yes. in my off in my trailer. And, uh, but we turned the AC on, except during one of the meetings, one of the people was doing the meeting, their meeting on a speakerphone. Uh -huh. So we had to turn the AC off. And after having the AC off for like 30 minutes, everybody was dying. Now, because you are the controller of the AC, you have to have a nickname. Yeah. You have to be cool guy, Steve. I was thinking that since it's heating up, um, that um, 
my just change um, your name to AC. Hey, oh everyone, my gosh. call me AC. This stands for actually cool. <laughs> I was going to make a rap joke, but then I realized I got the rap joke wrong. <laughs> thank you for, um, for censoring make- yourself. I was going to make a, a joke. I was going to say that my nickname should be Snow, but then I realized that that song is called um, that song is called uh, Informer, not Controller. Uh-huh. Um, there is a Drake song called Controller, which I think samples like some reggae track. Um, but anyway. You should yeah, call I yourself really have a good... Ice Steve. What? Ice Steve. Uh, you broke up right when you said that. Ice Steve? Yeah. Like Ice T, but Ice Steve. Yeah, I don't know, man. Anyway, where are we? We're, we're talking about this topic. Let's talk about an uh, album, this topic man. Is, I know, we're talking about this album. It's REM's Automatic for the People. I don't remember. Sorry, Inner Circle. Uh, I'm le- I feel like I let everybody down that I don't remember um, who? who submits what. Mm. Um you you start talking about it. I'll see if I can look that up. Oh, weird. I was going to do the same thing. So Automatic for the People is, I think, is considered like R.E.M.'s one of their best albums, um, which I'm kind of mixed about because I kind of feel like, do they really not have a better album than this? <laughs> um, and, and I mean, like, because they just have like, I think it's just that they're... Um, their body of work is so broad and spans so many years that in my head, I just kept thinking like, Oh, there's gotta be an album that has like all of their best songs on it. Cause most, like no. most bands, like most bands, right. They, 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 like, I would say it's unusual for a band to have like, it was Beto one or two. What's that? It was Beto Rodriguez. That suggested oh, okay. the album. Yeah. Beto. Cool. Very cool. Um, so that so like to this to this end like their best album is called or like a lot of people consider Murmur to be their best album but the only song I know off of Murmur is Radio Free Europe, mm. right? And and so I went through their went through their uh, their singles list because I mostly know REM from the singles, and kind of realized that like they have they're one of these bands that puts out like one or two really good songs on like every other album mm, yeah they're not like one of these bands that like cranking out the smash, bangers like yeah some some bands some bands like you know we talked about like van halen or guns and roses where we're like Hit oh factories. wow this album has all the all the songs that i know so apparently i don't know any songs off of any other albums right you know but you also um, kind of have to think about i mean the kind of scene that REM existed in where like alternative when alternative wasn't really huge on the radio. So, right. I mean, I think they cut their teeth and paid their dues long before they had big hit commercial success. I think into the world was like their, their big one. And that was like, they could have been a one hit wonder maybe. I can't think of anything else that would have been considered a hit from them until uh, well after that. End of the world. 
End of the World as We Know It actually came out after the one I love. And interestingly enough, End of the World as We Know It apparently was not well, maybe I'm wrong, like then. a big hit was not a big hit for them. I Huh. Obviously, like I, I agree. Like that's the song that like um that it feels like everybody knows, but at least as far as chart performance goes, uh it was not even a it was a it was a Here's yeah, the thing. It, it's it's kind of um, difficult. It's kind of difficult for me to really place what was and wasn't like popular for them because it's, sure it's so just like the sound of REM and so much of their catalog is just part of what I was listening to when I was coming of age. So to me, it's really hard for me to yeah. separate their music from the reality of what it is and the reality of what might've been going on, which makes it kind of hard to re review this because I listen to it and it just sounds like, you know, my teen years. Like it just sounds like the nineties. Right. Me. It doesn't sound, it's hard for me to listen to this and like judge it, which is, is the worst place to be. If you're going to, you know, criticize or review an album or something like that. Uh, I mean, I was listening through it and like, oh, there's there's a handful of songs in here that they could have left off the album. They're not very strong. But then the rest of them sure. like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what I expect out of R.E.M. And it sounds exactly what I expect out of them. Um, and, you know, because of the time I was <laughs> came of age in, like, yeah, it, there, it, it, it connects with me to my core, you know. There's definitely some like in the era... Hallmarks. Like, you know, I, I think you could make a case that a lot, lot of, of the bands. Chorus. I think you could make the case that a lot of the bands I was listening to in the '90s that were big in the '90s were not good, but because right. of because of the you know that's what you grow up with and that's what is pumped into your head during a very important time in your life. Like, it just becomes part of your DNA. So, I, I think it's just too hard for me to like sit here and critically analyze. REM the way they probably could be critically analyzed and someone could point out, you know, whatever is not great about their songwriting or their production or, or whatever, the, maybe Michael Stipe's singing or something like that. Cause I, I think that's a note that I made. Uh, I wrote Stipe's voice is probably an acquired taste for people outside my generation. But to me, it sounds like the nineties. Like, hold on, hold on, hold on. Probably this, can you repeat that? Go ahead. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. You there? Okay. Can you can you just re can you repeat everything you just said? Because literally, it was a point that I wanted to hear you make, and then you broke up. Okay. Uh, I said Stipe's voice is probably an acquired taste for people outside my generation, but to me, it sounds like the '90s, and it could be something similar to like how I hear you know early 2000s emo screamo type stuff, and it just drives me up the wall. And maybe people today listen to REM and they're like, oh, I, I can't stand this. So that that's kind of so. Do you like Michael Stipe's vocal? It's not. I don't like sit there and think like, oh man, I really wish I could hear Michael Stipe right now. But when I listen to it, it 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 sounds fine to me. Like I don't have any criticism of it because it's just like that's what music sounds like to the teenager that lives inside my brain. You know. Gotcha. Yeah. There's something I kind of made a couple notes about his vocals throughout this album. There's something about his voice that sounds like home musically. Okay. Where it's like it's just it's just comfortable. Sure. Like um like my my note on the second track was try not to breathe. The track try not to breathe. I said another easy listener. 
And I just, then I just wrote, I think I just, I think I just like Michael Stipe. Like, <laughs> because I was like this, this album, this song has like opens with like this 12 string guitar or chorus, yeah, chorus yeah. heavy guitar or whatever. And I'm kind of like, oh, this is an easy listening 90s. It's everything I hate about Tom Petty, but Michael Stipe is singing, so it's going to be okay. Yeah. What's your like, uh, What's your hot take on on uh, on the one song? Everyone hurts. Uh, I did not like it in the context of the album. Interesting. I like the song. I said this is a classic. It's a good song. It just felt really jarring where it was placed in the album. And I don't know if that there's, if there's a fix to that. Yeah. It's just like, I think because up to that point, everything is pretty like guitar driven nineties, you know, like you said, it's nineties, late eighties, nineties, this kind of like Americana folk rock thing. And then you got this, like, let's slow it all down and piano jam. And even after that, it goes into new Orleans instrumental number one, which has this really cool crosstalk between what I think is an electric piano mm. and some very like proto post rock guitar work. Like it's just very comfortable. Yeah. But everybody hurts just like it feels like the inescapable sad scene in every rom com. Yeah, I guess. And I understand that's I understand that's what makes that song great and that's what makes that song timeless. But that's also why I'm like, I don't really want to listen to this song right now. My note was, I don't care what anyone says, Everyone Hurts is a good song. Like, I, when it started playing, I was like, okay, I'm going to sit here and try to be critical of this. I'm going to try to really, like, take myself out of it and see if this song actually still holds up and it's not just, you know, me liking this song. And I, as it kept going, I'm like, no, this is, I think this is a great song. I really like just the mood of it. I like the production of it. I, you know, even for, you know, so much of uh, REM songs are this very 90s free association style writing where it's like, oh, just find, you know, a word that rhymes and sounds kind of edgy and throw it in there. And it doesn't matter if, and, you know, the next five sentences make sense or not because it's the 90s and we're weird. Lollapalooza, here we go. You know, <laughs> like it, where everyone hurts, like all the lyrics feel very intentional. And I think it's a very well planned out and thought out song. And like, I think if they were ever going to have a one hit wonder sort of scenario, I think that would have been a great one for them. I mean, yeah, clearly, sure. clearly uh, they're what? not a one hit wonder. They have, a, they have a ton of hits, but uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I feel strongly that that's a good song. Uh, did you have any other? <laughs> and screw the did rest. You have any screw how it sits in the rest of the album. I don't care how it sits in the rest of the album. There's like five songs on the album that could just be thrown in the trash because they actually aren't, you know, anything. They're just like, oh, this sounds like it was, a, you know, a sketch pad song, and they needed to round out the album because it was also the '90s, and they, you know, they were trying to have 12 to 13 songs on an album then, right, versus now right. when everything's basically a single. <laughs> But you know, people um, people you used any, to you, people used to buy albums because they were trying to get the best bang for the buck. I'm like, oh, this one's got 18 tracks. I'll get the one with 18 instead of the one with 14. Yeah. Um, did you have any notes on "Sweetness Follows" track uh, six? No, I don't. So my note on that one was: if you take the organ out of it, I said I w I kind of want to see the I want I kind of want to pull the organ out of this. It has like that very like yeah. 90s blues rock organ over the whole thing where yes. they're just playing like one like 
basically like just one note that's like slides from pitch to pitch for the entire song. Right, right. Um, that was really common. And I said, I, I, but I want to pull the organ out of this and see how much of the remaining drones just sound like pepper. <laughs> oh man. Cause I was like, I was, cause the whole back part is like, I was like, yeah, is this like a, is this, is this pepper? Um, did you have any, you're talking about did pepper you have any notes? from butthole surfers. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. For a second, I thought you meant pepper, uh, the, the dub reggae band. <laughs> No, I mean like the song right, Pepper. Right. I don't mind the sun um, sometimes. That song. Exactly. The song that's just uh, in G and has no other chords. Yeah. <laughs> um, did you have anything on... Uh... No, I don't. Whatever it is, I don't. <laughs> you don't have anything on Man on the Moon? Oh, no. I mean, I th- that's probably just the one that most people are going to recognize... The same way most people are going to recognize, you know, Stacy's mom from Fountains of Wayne, just because it got attached yeah. to, to a movie. Um, I mean, it's yeah, a, it's I just a fun wrote "Hi Jim Carrey." Yeah, my yeah. note was just "Hi Jim Carrey." Hi Jim. Um, and then I, the track after that is "Night Swimming," and I don't know why, but "Night Swimming" is like one, at least as far as again, just all based on singles. Uh, "Night Swimming" is like one of my favorite REM songs. I could see that, and I don't. I don't know a ton about R.E.M. and I don't know why that's one of my favorite songs because I only know it from the radio. Yeah. But at some point, like I at some point in some context that I don't remember at some age that I don't remember, I heard that song and I was like, wow, I that, like that was the song that I think actually took me from being like R.E.M. is, you know, losing my religion. Right. Right. And everybody hurts and end of the world as we know it to being like. I forgot oh, wow. about These losing guys, my like, there, There's something going on here. Like night swimming was like just on a whole other level for me. Um, that I just, you know, I don't know. This is this was an album I, I think I wasn't I expecting think, I to catch so many feels from talking about REM. I was expecting to be kind of, you know, critical in retrospect and be like, oh, well, maybe this thing from my childhood isn't that great. But now that I'm thinking about all their songs, I'm like, damn really like rem more than i thought i did yeah uh, this is definitely an album that will i will come back to at some point i think i think i've listened through um gosh i don't actually even know i know i've listened i think maybe i've listened to green uh-huh um what's the one that I had haven't really what's the frequency kenneth on it i i owned that album What's the frequency, Kenneth? You don't know that song? Um, it's an it's an earlier REM album. I don't. That's the, actually the name of the song. Good grief! That is from the album Monster, which actually came ah, after this. Ah, yeah. Did it actually come after? Um, it? That's wild. Yeah, yeah. And that was that's always the problem. Like I, you know, you've talked about the buying albums to get the songs that you know. Uh-huh. And that was always actually a problem I had with REM as a kid because I'd pull up, I'd pull out, I'd go to the store and I'd pull out document and be like, okay, I know the one I love. I know in the world. Um, green at the time, I don't think I knew any of the songs off green, but that's the album that has orange crush on it. And oh, yeah. uh, stand orange crush is a great song. Yeah. 
Yeah, Out of Time has Losing My Religion, but it also has shiny, happy people, which I kind of hate. <laughs> and then, and, and then by the time you get to Monster, it's just kind of in a space where I don't think I know. Like, I don't really know much else out of their um, uh, discography, their uh, their uh, track history past that. You know their their you know, uh, their Superman song. I like that song. I am, I am Superman, and I know what's happening. Do you know that song? Uh, I know that song, but only because I just sang the it. Scrub soundtrack. Oh, really? I don't know. If, is that? I don't even know if I knew that that was uh, REM. Yeah, that's REM. I'm pretty Are you sure. sure that's REM. I'm pretty sure that's REM. I don't, um, it sounds like REM. Uh, no, that's Apparently R.E.M. it's from the band. This says it's by the band Laszlo Bane. What? That's not R.E.M.? There's like a bunch of Superman songs from different bands. Are you sure that's not the R- an R.E.M.? Oh, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my Hold own search. On. I just Hold searched on. for R.E.M. Superman this- and it came up. Really? Yeah. Oh, no, that is a different song. Yeah, R.E.M. Superman. You're thinking of a different song, man. What album was that on? That, um, album, that is on Life's Rich Pageant from 1986. Yeah. All right, Can let's... Can you uh, hear it off? Let's tackle this last... Uh, oh, you want to do I'll housekeeping? Just stop it. Let me... What's that? You want to do, do some I housekeeping? I think that's all I got for this. I, like, oh, yeah, let's do some housekeeping... Uh, apparently I missed this previously. So again, if I miss you and you feel like you should have been called, by all means, hit me up. It's a little chaotic uh, trying to keep up with everything right now. Um, but so first at the $10 level, I'd like to welcome uh, Andrew Encinas Andrew? Uh, for what you supporting said? us. And- Andrew Encinas. We have one. You got something for him? Yeah. Let me see what I can wrangle up here. I have got to drop off all these bags at your house this week. Um, I'm going to give him some of these uh, these K-Line pedal topper pedals, pedal topper button things. Um, I'm actually getting kind of thin in here. I've got this pick sticky holder thing I'll throw in there. Um, another hose keychain. Oh, here we go. This is nice. A chicken pick. People like oh, those chicken things. Picks. And and another nice pick. These are just going to be floating around this bag. Uh, I've got this Ibanez JTC acrylic pick I'll throw in there. So this guy's going to get to try out some cool picks. And uh, I'll throw in one of these 9-volt uh, to 9-volt battery adapters because I've got a billion of those. Oh, yeah. Everyone is going to get one of those for a while. <laughs> thanks, to, <laughs> thanks to all those Azure pedals. So I've got about like seven bags here at the floor that I need to drop off to you so you can ship them out. I'll try to get them to you sometime this week. All right. That sounds like a, sounds like a thing that we can do. Yeah. And then you said we have a $1? Uh, yeah. Oh, so also at the $10 level, do you, got, do you have two? Do you have uh, another bag? Uh, no, but I didn't know there was going to be another one, and I, I think I'm out of stuff. So do you want to save it for next one, and I'll try to wrangle some more stuff? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let me uh, put it on the next one. Yeah, sorry, sorry, next person, but 
You could either be called out right now or you could get stuff. So I think you, you want to wait. For I mean, stuff, if you right? have, if you have like, if, if you've got some lean, uh, some lean, now it just sounds like I'm talking about drugs. Um, yeah, I, I can do, I've got a mono strap I can throw in. If you want. Sure. I just don't have a bag like here to you, mark. If, yeah. If you got, I mean, I don't know if you have anything else though. I say let's, thing. let's wait a week. Let's wait a week for this person. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll try to find something. I'll try to find something good here in the garage. There's got to be right, something. Um, let me just finish making this note. And uh, at the one dollar level, we've also got Steve Travelby and uh, Craig Doibler, I believe is the pronunciation. So thanks, guys, for supporting us at the $1 level, whether it's the $1 level, the $5 level, or the pick-your-own level, or the $10 level, or the $25 level, or the $26 level, or the $50 level, or the $5,000 level. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate everyone who supports the show. Uh, everything that goes in here uh, goes to keeping the show running. Uh, it helps you know Ryan pick up stuff for future videos. It helps us justify our existences to our family members. Yeah, it all does all kinds of things to support the show. And you know when we go on, which unfortunately it's it's weird to talk about trips this year, but in you know in the past it's it's helped us go on trips. And you know a lot of times we get those trips in one way or another uh, handled by you know maybe we get like. Uh, travel cover costs in terms of flights or whatever, but you know we we're still cut, trying to cover Meals. food on the ground and stuff and, yeah. and things like that. So we definitely uh, appreciate everything that you guys send us to support the show yeah. through the Patreon. I mean, Check out the link in the notes. Recently, we used Patreon money to buy a new camera, which has dramatically yeah. improved the quality of our footage for the show and for. Uh, you know, the rest of the demo stuff that I do, all the, vin the video content that I do. And it was not like a crazy indulgent camera. It's like a $700 camera. It was just as far as cameras go is really cheap, but man, it, it's, it's made all the difference. We upgraded from a camera that I bought for like 200 bucks. So, um, I mean, Patreons make that sort of thing possible. It brought us up into, uh, 2020, as far as cameras go, instead of 2011, which is where I was stuck. Yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty nice. It was nice for the, the workflow over here. So anyways, let's, uh, let's talk about this last ad and get out of here. Yeah. This last ad uh, was sent by Chris pop beer man. Uh, that is his Christian name. Um, and this is a Dan electro. Uh, what do they call it? It's a talk box free Dan electro free speech. He said, yeah. well, this was one of those impulse buys that went horribly wrong. This is on Reverb. I read the reviews and thought maybe these clowns are just using it wrong. Surely I can make this work with my already elaborate setup. Then I watched a YouTube video of some lad with less hair than I do lashing out, lashing out a fairly decent Daft Punk around the world impression. And I thought, hmm, with the last M ever pitched so slightly upward. So I hope I captured that correctly. Hmm. Right I think home. that's what he was trying to do. Hmm. One of those. I felt like is that is that slightly okay. I don't know. Hmm. Uh, brought it home, set it up, turned it on, got my imaginary Bon Jovi denim jacket out of the closet, patches intact, and bashed out a power cord on my Jazzmaster, ready to take a journey back through time and space. If you want to take a journey back through time and space, you got to listen to that uh, Will Smith song from Men in Black Three. Just saying. Uh, 
I can best describe what followed as confusion. Surely I was doing it wrong. After some research, I realized I was doing it right and the pedal was just horse shit and was working exactly the way it was made to work. Very uncomfortable experience. Works exactly like it should, barely usable, certainly ungiggable, only really suitable for use in a very controlled environment. And as for incorporating this into a pedal board slash stacking with other pedals, well, I didn't get that far, but I suspect it would be a one tone-sucking hassle. You might be wondering how I expect to sell it with such a glowing review. Life has taught me that there's always an idiot out there who will see something unique like this very reasonably priced and take a punt naively thinking, I can make this work. No, you can't. Be warned. <laughs> I was that idiot a few weeks ago. And now it's someone else's turn. Comes with a battered box with tube mic, all the bits. This is sold as is for $50 and some change on Reverb. Of all the with, things. And, and on the picture it says, on the picture it says, no, Dan Electro, just no. Of all the things I can think of in the world that you should not sell use, especially now in this climate, a talk box is pretty bad. Like, oh, who wants to buy my used spit collection pedal with the giant clear tube that I jam halfway down my throat to make talky sounds? I used a talk box at the first uh, Toman trip. And, really? Uh, it was uh, Jalen or Jay pulled me into it. He's like, hey, come do these videos with me. Um, <laughs> I don't know why they didn't send me home with the talk box that I use because I got my spit all over that thing. It is kind of gross to use a talk box. It becomes your personal private forever possession. You should never resell a talk box to anyone. Like if you if you don't like your talk box, just I'd, throw it away. <laughs> I'd like to think Jay Leonard Jay took your used talk box home with him. He probably did. That's probably that was his grift. He's like, I'm gonna do a video where I try all the talk boxes and then Toman's gonna send them all home with me. <laughs> but uh here's the real pro here's the real problem. This guy's selling a talk box. His store name on reverb is the lotion basket. <laughs> Yeah, that makes it worse. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> well, I don't want to get the hose again, so just put this in the basket. Um, have you ever heard the song based on that line? There's a song by no. the Greenskeepers uh, that's just, just completely themed after Silence of the Lambs. And it's very creepy, but also kind of wonderful and lighthearted. So I'd say go listen to that song right now. I have a blast every time I hear it. Um but I've always heard that this pedal is hot garbage, like just terrible. I have no experience with it. I don't wish to have an experience with it. Uh, but talk boxes are already kind of a complicated setup because it's a tube that goes to your mouth. And at one end of the tube, there's a speaker inside the pedal that is blowing the vibrations of your guitar signal up through the tube. Then you put the tube in your mouth. And it blows that sound into your mouth, and then you form vowel sounds with your mouth. And those vowel sounds leave your mouth and get picked up by an external microphone. And then depending on the product, go back to the pedal or go to an amp or however you have it set up. In the case of this pedal, uh, uh, there's a mic connected to the tube that goes back to the pedal. Um, it's just a really complicated setup to get a sound that's kind of one of those things where... It's only kind of worked a couple times in <laughs> pop music history. 
and the rest of the time it's like you're either covering those songs or you're kind of just being annoying in my opinion <laughs> like, right i can't see myself ever going you know what i need you know what's going to really round out my rig is a talk box right now it's just such a it's such a specific thing and i don't want to have that yeah. much cleanup associated with my rig either <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> just means every once in a while you got to like run some vinegar through it or something. Yeah. Throw it in the dishwasher and boil it. I don't know. I'm sure you can buy replacement tubing at just Home Depot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not for this one, though, because this one, the, the Dan Electro has a has a proprietary tube with the mic cable going through it or something like that. So that's extra gross. <laughs> I don't know. I I agree with this person. Don't buy one, no matter how curious you are. If you are talk about curious, uh, go watch the video that Jay Leonard J did with me at the first Toman. I think we found one that was pretty good in that lineup. So go revisit that and figure out which one of those you want. Is my vote. All right. You want to yeah. tell us about the song, Steve, and get us out of here? Yeah, man. Uh, this song was sent by... Um... Oh, I have the email open right here. I'm like looking around on my computer like, where is this? Uh, this was sent by Nick Harshaw. It's he says, in the computer. I know. <laughs> Friends, here's a little catchy song I made with my buddy who also plays guitar. He did drums. I did guitar, synth, and bass. Equipment was a MIJ Fender Mustang, an 80 Charvel bass with active pickups, Logic Pro X MIDI drums, and my fingers. Um I recently also made a song for an intro to another podcast I listened to. So this is he's promoting a podcast called Subject to Cross. Um and he sent this in a couple different formats. So whatever format you want to use, Ryan, go for it. Sure. He says if you like what you hear, you can find me on Spotify, iTunes, Napster, LimeWire, and more by my normal, regular old name, Nick Harshaw. Uh so I will find a link to this and post it to something if you like it. This song is just called Sketch 01.26.20 version 2. That's a catchy name. I can't hear wait to hear the hook in this song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, bye everyone. Stay grounded. See ya. All right. <laughs>